Welcome to the 12 Days of Edition Wars. In this year's series, we will be taking a deep dive into the things that we love about this game and why we love them. On this, the seventh day of Edition Wars, my DM gave to me our favorite monsters from each edition. And I am Sam Dillon, and I am here with my wonderful, wonderful co-host, Brandis Stoddard. How are you tonight, sir? I'm doing well, thank you. Excellent. Do you have any first thoughts about creatures? Uh, so, so my first monster book, right, was uh, the monster Man- monsters manual of second edition, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which is a great book of monster art. Just like I, I also have the the first ed monster manual, and uh, so for me, those are you know the things I would sort of want to compare. And just the the full color art of Second Ed Monsters Manual is uh, is great. Not not every single piece is amazing, but there are some great pieces in uh, the the Monster Manual. And mm-hmm. so, as you'd expect, it being my first edition, it's this is the one that really is is cemented in my mind. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course, yeah. Whereas for me, it's the first edition Monster Manual. And Fiend Folio, those two books were the ones. So, yeah. you know, with the, yeah, the, yeah. Ho- the hokey black and white art still, you know, speaks to my heart in a way that that the uh, the, the nice, colorful, modern, you know, images of of creatures, uh, they're beautiful pieces, but they just don't talk to me as much. And I always kind of felt like the second edition, some of those creatures were like cartoonish, right? Yeah, well, and that's also got to do with differing, like line quality right. and mm-hmm. and style from you know, right. between the different artists. Yeah, yeah. So some sure. of them definitely yeah. are more cartoonish and some right. are more more realistic. Yeah, but definitely some of them are better, like uh-huh. you know, than than what you and and I guess for me though, I look at the mix of what you get in first and second edition, and I still favor first edition, but I fully sure. am aware that that's because it was the main edition where I had images of creatures, right? Sure, it, in basic where I started, there weren't a ton of pictures with the, uh, with the creatures. Right. Um, and so there's not as much of a relationship in my brain between the art and the actual creature in the game, like there is in first edition. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but let's, let's get started. So of course I have original edition and, and, basic editions and and all that. And you may or may not have that. Um, But I'm going to make this real quick because the thing about the thing that's beautiful about the creatures in those really early editions are that they're the creatures that everybody knows about that are still in the game today. Right. So for example, in, in the original D and D gelatinous cube is mentioned in uh, the monsters and treasure, which is book two from the white box. And, but it's not given stats. It just sort of says, Oh, well, this creature is, a uh, uh, lives underground and it's near, nearly completely transparent and it fits into a typical quarter of a dungeon. And there's these weird things. And, you know, these are sort of rumored to exist. And then it really <laughs> actually gives it stats in supplement one. Okay. Right. Which is the Greyhawk book, which now it goes into what it actually is, what it really looks like. Um, and all of that stuff. And right above that on that same page is carrion crawlers. And right above that on that same page is owl bears. So, you know, you're talking about some what of even the, is the alphabet. 
Right. Well, I've, it's not an alphabetical order. Right. That's true. But I just mean in terms of the sort of standard, if you were to give a definitive creature for D&D, not counting dragons, you're talking about uh, beholders, yep. owlbears, gelatinous cubes, and possibly carrion crawlers. They are for me because they were a formative creature. So, uh, so my, I, my I'd choice be compelled for, to make an argument for uh, illithids. Sure, sure, yeah, and I, yeah, that's true. I saved them for later because I they're, mean, the, their product yeah. identity. That's why. Right. Well, yeah, but I, I'm right, but I'm not even talking about product identity. I'm talking about in my mind oh, sure. as quintessential because like Sturges are on that same page. Sure. Yeah. Right. And so you know you've got these sort of quintessential creatures that are D and D, right? And so, so, so my choice for for zeroth edition for for original D and D is Gelatinous Cube with an honorable mention to Owl Bears. And then in Holmes Basic, my choice is the Purple Worm, because it is one of the uh, creatures that kind of is a D and D creature for me, and it's also one of the only ones with a picture. <laughs> Oh, and nice. it's, it's a relatively famous little black and white drawing of this enormous – it's black and white, so the worm looks white, and it has this huge maw, and it's about to you know, eat the, the, the party, basically, right? Um, with an honorable mention to the cockatrice, which, which is also in that book. Um, if we go to BXD&D, now, now is when I'm actually really talking about the carrion crawler. Right. Sure. And that's my choice yeah. for that. Cause that's one of the first times you get a really good picture of what a carrying crawler, uh, ha- how weird and aberrant it looks. It has all these tentacles and all this, all these legs. And, you know, it's just really weird, disgusting with honorable mention to the blink dog, which has actually been around uh, since the beginning, but I just didn't mention it. Right. And then when you get to your, your Beck me D and D, I'm going fast through these. Cause I know we don't yeah. need to talk about all these. Um, one thing I want to point out. So a cu- couple of things. So Beck me was interesting because it didn't always, didn't have a lot of pictures in it. Um, but one of the things that it did that was really, really interesting is uh, it had an, the in, an NPC party of adventurers as an entry in the creature section of the, of the basic rulebook, which I think is absolutely like brilliant, right? Because that's not something that you typically get. But uh, the, um, my, choice for the, my choice for that uh, for that edition is the devil swine, which is basically a, a, a pig lycanthrope or a, a, a boar wereboar, mm-hmm. um, right? Um, but but it just it's sort of it calls it a devil pig and it has this kind of little sketch picture and it's it's kind of interesting because um, you know basic D and D was trying to do something slightly sort of different but very parallel to what you know, what D&D was doing, right? So you had these sort of interesting sort of different creatures that it would talk about. Um, and uh, and you also had these cases where it would, it would create things, for example, uh, the black ball, right? Which is basically a sphere of annihilation. But in Mistara, you don't have spheres of annihilation. It's a black ball. And the sure. black ball is something it's, it's a void sphere basically. And okay. it can even destroy immortals, right? Cause of course there's no deities in the star. They're all immortals. And, and in order to get rid of this thing, you either have to use a gate spell to get it out of your plane, or you have to use a wish spell to have it go away. And otherwise it's just disintegrates everything that is, that it touches. Right. And the part that it touches. So if it goes through a hallway and it touches a pillar, the part of the pillar that it touched disintegrates, but the rest of it's left there. Sure. Right. So if it runs over you and it 
hits your hand, it doesn't kill you. It just takes your hand away. Right. So like, but it's not called a a, a sphere of annihilation, right? Uh-huh. It's, it's totally black different, ball. right? Totally different, but it's a black ball, but that they were trying to do that to sort of separate and distinguish, you know, Mistara from the other D and D places. Right. Sure. And there aren't very many places where they can do that. Cause you know, you still have halflings and humans and harpies and grayus and, you know, goblins and gargoyles and, and, you know, ghouls, and you're not going to change the names of those. You even have genetic cubes, but some things you, for some reason you change the name of, right. Because they are slightly different from what you get in the other settings because they have deities and this setting doesn't have a deity. So now suddenly we have to make something, something that's going to challenge even immortals has to be different from what you would get in a different setting. So anyway, just to, just pointing that out. I mean, there's really no, I mean, um, and then we get to first edition. So now, so now that's my original edition and my basic edition spiel. So I'll let you go first on, on first edition. Oh boy. Um, (laughs) so uh, I don't want to imply that I've underprepared, but I've underprepared. Um, (laughs) so, um, I'm trying to, I remember the uh, oh right so this is one that I'm going to uh, mainly call out uh, because Rabbit is not on this call and she would want me to uh, so <laughs> okay. so it's the Almirage oh nice okay yeah yeah right um from the Fiend Folio right? the Fiend Folio yep. right um so we have the copy of the Fiend Folio that her dad owned when she was growing up mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of stuff in here that you know her imagination latched on to and she just right. loved right um and so the almirage is going to be, be an easy uh, go-to there for me um just skimming to a later part of the book i mean i'll be real with you i'm always gonna love death knights yeah yeah sure of course death knights yeah. are just great villains they're awesome yeah 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 they're a villain that you can make the main dude for a whole arc, right? Like that is the main bad guy for a yep. whole arc, if not the whole the whole campaign arc, but at least the partial arc. Lord Soth is cool enough to headline Dragonlance. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yep, yep, um, yep, exactly. Like Cass is cool enough to be a real headline in a Vecna related adventure. Mm-hmm. That's that's mm-hmm. serious, and I'm I'm into yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Um, those are those are really cool stories. Right. Um, one sort of feels like a, a fair number of D and D writers, uh, s- sort of said, "Okay, but now I get to write about a Death Knight." <laughs> I guess I'm pulling out all the stops. We're making this work. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Sure. Sure. So that's great. And uh, I think it was uh, Colin who used to talk about. How um, Death Knights are slasher, slasher villains, right? Mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the in the slasher movie sense, they just keep on coming. They don't have to chase you fast. Right? They're just unstoppable. Yeah. So they're really wonderful um, enemies. Um, nice, nice. Well, let me give you one from the Fiend Folio. Yeah, please do. I actually have three I want to mention, right? But I'll give you one of them: the Necrophidius. Okay. Yeah. Which is the death worm, right? Which is uh-huh. basically a giant skeleton of a snake, but uh, it has a human skull. And really, like, it's not really like 
in this in the in, in the original image from the fiend folio it's not really a snake skeleton it's just a big spine like human vertebrae right uh it, but in later in later books and in, in later editions it puts it at, at looking more like a snake skeleton with the ribs and all that but uh-huh. in this particular one it just looks like a big spine with a skull on it and the skull is a human skull but yeah. the thing is like it it surprises 50% of the time because it's absolutely quiet, right? It tries to hypnotize you by, you know, it, it sort of does the 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 traditional Cobra thing where it, it's, you know, dancing around. And instead of you are playing music to entrance it, it's actually entrancing you kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's very interesting. It basically, you know, it's a, it's a guard type creature, which I love because I love to have places that are guarded right um and so it's it's always a fun one to use because it's also not so i mean it's only like a two hit die creature or something so it's not even so powerful that you can't really do anything with it but uh it's it's just low enough that you can get it at lower levels and it's just dangerous enough that you don't want to get it (laughs) at lower levels right so yeah it's a fun one to use i mean visually it's almost indistinguishable from a bone naga Right. right. Sure. Um, which yeah. I'm a huge fan of in later editions. Mm-hmm, uh, to mm-hmm. Yeah. A, yeah. A major recurring villain for me. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I love using. Um, I, I'm going to mention the, the Commandant here because Commandants show up, as I don't need to tell you, mm-hmm. in Tomb of Annihilation. Right. Yep. Uh, which was the first time I actually ran into mention of them in D&D. Mm-hmm. Um, I had just never really taken notice of them before then. So for a while, I was not completely sure what word the GM was saying. I mean, <laughs> just going to say, not, not super sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, that was a really fun section overall mm-hmm. of, of Omu and the tomb. And so mm-hmm. I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. So I have to also give an honorable mention here uh, for our friend, uh, Teos Abadia. Yep. We have to mention the Flump, which the flump. is also yep. from the first edition uh, Fiend Folio. Yep. Um, they're on page 39. Your friendly floppy pancake with tentacles and a big smile, who is lawful good. He's he's such a cutie. Um, but my other – I have two other things I, I also want to mention. One of them is uh, a creature – actually, both of these are creatures that I used a lot, but one of them I actually put on my list and one I didn't. But then I'm sitting here looking at the Necrophidius, and it's on the page right next to the Necrophidius. Mm-hmm. It's the Needleman. Because the Needleman is this very interesting, very cool creature to use in the woods because it it conceals itself very well in woods because it kind of looks like a tree, except it's humanoid shaped. And when you threaten it or make it mad uh, or or cause it to react in, in some way, it basically shoots pine needles at you. Really sharp, thin powerful pine needles <laughs> huh. right that uh that hurt a lot and they come out in a burst and so they can hit more than one person and it's just it's just really fun creature to use i've used it a lot um, well, it, it, it sounds like it would be a uh a, a sort of a, a latter day um cryptid in mm-hmm. the slender man sense right yes yes exactly yes you know? <laughs> yes um, exactly yeah but, but in D terms it seems like it would just be a more different um tree blight which is also yeah. great mm-hmm. like yeah i would i would take a dozen more little blight dudes they're great for you know something weird and really definitely not your friend to fight at low levels 
Right. Yep. Yep, exactly. Uh, and the last one that I want to mention, uh, which is a creature I love because it looks like a huge brain, and that is the grill. Oh, I love grills. Grills are just awesome. Uh, and and their staying power is amazing because they've been in so many different adventures uh, yep. in, 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 in all editions of D&D. And they are just fantastic and disgusting and gross and really cool and yeah so those are in the fiend folk there are there are a lot of sort of you know uh tradi- what what we might call traditional D monsters that that are directly from the fiend folio from first edition and they have just been carried forth into every edition and then they get used in in adventures that are very popular and were well written so yep. they get experienced by a large number of players and and they're memorable they're very memorable uh yeah absolutely uh and you know they they sort of do create a dndism culture right mm-hmm. right like, this thing doesn't have some broader cachet in um you know fantasy until it does mm-hmm. right um, right yeah <laughs> so so i'm gonna tell a story on myself mm-hmm. um about flumps um okay <laughs> uh-oh are you gonna get in trouble with teos i don't think so okay good. <laughs> I, I think you'd laugh um i think there's a good chance i am the only person in human history to have larped a flump. <laughs> okay, tell more. <laughs> so, so there we are at Dust to Dust, um, and one of the characters is pursuing a path of transcendental meditation. Um, he is trying to uh, use this path of meditation to communicate with higher angelic beings uh, by performing forms of ritual purification of the ground he's standing on and the the matter of his own flesh right okay. mm-hmm. um, and so he undertakes this vision and what we've done for a costume is in a lot of ways completely ridiculous so bear with me <laughs> on this right um, mm-hmm. so, I'm I'm wearing a a hat that has kind of um, uh, springy things that that hang down like tendrils or tentacles glued to it, <laughs> and the whole thing has been spray painted gold. <laughs> right. Okay. The idea is that this is supposed to look like a celestial jellyfish, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is also pretty much the brief for a flump. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and so the reason it's so weird is that uh, he is speaking to an angel of one of the higher choirs, who doesn't assume a form that is comfortable for mortals. That's not okay. his job, mm-hmm. right. right? Sure, it, yeah. It, it is like some of the others of this choir that we we showed on camera were like. A snake in a ring of eyes, mm-hmm. right, right, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and and things like that. You know, we were going for what is now very much a meme, the biblically accurate angel. Sure, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But we were trying to make the point that the lower choirs are the ones that exist to 
engage with mortals and are thus comfortable for them. The higher choirs are not. <laughs> um, and so, like, this is the lowest choir that still can uh, enter uh, creation, right? It, mm-hmm. it can, can leave the, um, the uh, highest heaven and enter creation. Okay. And uh, it just doesn't do so very easily. Right. And, you know, he had gone through all of this and made that possible. But in costume terms and in terms of the kind of uh, uh, elliptical um, way of speaking that it had, I was absolutely LARPing a flump. And I'm <laughs> betting I am the only person ever to have done that. I didn't realize that's what I was doing until many years <laughs> afterward. I thought back and said, wait, as a thing. How about that? Nice. Very cool. So, so yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the the great monsters uh, show up in the early books. There's also a lot that are not great and didn't go oh, forward. Sure. Oh, sure, sure, of course, yeah, right, of course. Uh, and that's one of the fun things about monster books is just seeing what finds enough of a following and interest to show up again. Right. Right. And a lot of it as I think you're kind of saying is, does it spark this one writer's imagination enough? Right. To be put into an adventure. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, and I, I will also point out that hook horrors show up in uh fiend folio. Nice. And that's actually one of the creatures I was going to mention in second edition. Cause they were very memorable for me in second edition. Uh, uh I have, used a hook horror in my homebrew campaign uh i think it was late last year nice it was was last time one of those showed up um so that was pretty cool yeah Um, nice it was presented suitably horrifyingly Mm -hmm. uh as something that was crawling out of this awful pit it's like no no we don't want any part of that (laughs) let's (laughs) shove it back down there no 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 yep yep uh, the last time I had hook horrors in my game, I the party was in a huge cavern, and they were lost, and they started hearing a weird scraping sound, and then it stopped, and they couldn't find where it was coming from. Mm-hmm. So they went on, and they tried. were still trying to find their way out of – back to the last point where they knew where they were, and then they would hear the scratching noise, and then they would stop, and then it would stop. And so it became obvious that this – whatever this thing was, it was – following them and getting closer and it could tell enough about what they were doing that it knew when they stopped because it would stop uh and as it got closer the sound got louder and more high-pitched uh-huh. uh and yeah it was a horrifying scene they were beset by a couple of hook horrors and it was freaky to them which is always a great moment when you can nurture that particular you know i mean the players weren't scared right don't get me wrong but the they they were role-playing their pcs as if holy crap we have no idea what's coming for us oh my god what is that and it was that was it was horrible <laughs> but it was a great moment but it was horrible for them right it was a very also tough battle they had to flee from so it was it was really really good they're the type of creature where if you try to make something really terror-filled out of it and you have the right players and the right setup you it can it can just sing with possibility right 
Um, yeah. Or you could just make them some boring creature in a cavern and then, and then it's just a boring creature in a cavern, you know, uh, just like anything. Right. But, but yeah, they, they lend themselves well to a certain horror aesthetic that is uh, workable in D and D. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that. Um, all right, are you ready to move to so, second ed, or do you yeah, have let's, more? Yeah, let's let's monster? move to second ed. That, that okay. was actually I, like I said, that was going to be my my call yeah. out for yeah, second yeah. ed, but I have a couple others, so that's fine too. So what's um, your what's your second edition list? Okay, so uh, absolute top of the list, um, I'm going to go with the Mercury Dragon. Okay, nice. It's nice. it's straight up my favorite dragon mm-hmm. in all of second ed, and I have loved it ever since. Uh, I just love the art on the Mercury Dragon so much. Mm-hmm. Um, a bunch of the dragon art in this is very good. Right. Um, like they are, they're cool, memorable uh, pictures here. Not all of them are maybe the dragon's most flattering angle. Sorry, <laughs> Topaz, buddy. Um, it's rough. Yeah. yeah but yeah. <laughs> like the, the gold and the silver are especially mm-hmm. cool. Um, the cloud dragon is really intriguing to me. I really like that. Yeah. Um, nice. But the Mercury Dragon has maybe the most dynamic pose in the whole thing. And I just really like that guy. Um, big fan. Um, nice. Uh, I'm also going to say that Second Ed has uh, some of the most appealing Displacer Beast art um, that was ever used for Displacer Beasts. Uh, whereas in Third, they are. Like so emaciated that I'm I'm pretty sure they're on meth. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. In uh, in this book, they are well fed, right. and that's probably more worrying in its own way. It's but. more a cat with it's a cat plus, right? It's a right. It's a puma, mountain lion, lynx mix plus yeah. some stuff. Right. It's not emaciated, yeah. Whereas, yeah, you're right. In in some of the later stuff, it's very much like skinny, very hungry, emaciated thing with tentacles on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do want to say back to the dragons. Uh, boy, the uh, sapphire dragon. Uh, the image weird, weird is, pose choice. It's, weird, yeah, weird pose it's, choice. it's 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 all it's you know turn it turn it ninety degrees and it's like you know paint me like one of your French girls you know. Yes, that's like that's a very weird point, yeah. and I wish you hadn't said that. But here we are in this, <laughs> in this timeline instead, Sam. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying it's really funny how you know some of these uh, images are so fantastic, and then yeah, yeah. a couple of them are like, why was that choice made? No. I, I agree that sure. there's some very uneven stuff in here. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't really have enough uh, awareness to even question some of it at the time. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, um, I mean, I certainly wasn't making that comment back in the day. I was like, wow, look, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I can't believe I forgot. Oh, one of my favorite monsters in all of Fiend Folio. Mm. I feel bad now. Oh, what? The Githyanki. I was wondering if you were going to bring. I, can't I, thought, believe I, I, I was wondering if you were waiting. Yankee. I wondered if you were waiting. Well, so I, I, I ran across. Oh, there's so many monsters. I, I can't possibly list all. Them I know. Long, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I, I am such a fan of the Githyanki and the Githzerai, and I, I say this as someone who has read George R. R. Martin's novel *Dying of the Light*, mm-hmm. from which uh, Charles Strauss um, borrowed the names <laughs> um, the creatures yeah. are nothing like 
yeah what uh martin was imagining yeah um they they go from being you know bestial monsters to mm-hmm. humanoid you know probably antagonists what can you True. do yeah, yeah. well gifts are maybe less but um I really, really like the the Githyanki. There are elements of their story in Second Ed that I don't love. The mm-hmm. part where Vlakith, like, more or less kills and eats them when they hit a certain level is yeah. a little too much. Level is a noble, quantifiable thing in the world for me. Mm-hmm. I, I like a certain amount of that, but that, that goes over the line for me. Yeah. Um. But I, I think they're really cool. I, I love the silver swords. I love Tunarath. I love um, you know, Gith, Githas, Raiders. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. All this kind of stuff. So I knew that. I knew that. And I was going to mention them, but I thought, oh, maybe you're waiting. Like maybe well, you're going to bring them up uh, later on. <laughs> I, I should have mentioned them when they first showed up. I just no, totally it's fine. spaced. It's fine. Um, but yeah, they're, so, they're great in um, second ed. Um, the mm-hmm. art is uh it's weird you know they, they get right. to be real weird um i will say that the gith pirate and the gith yankee don't look like they're at all related but that's okay <laughs> uh the, the gith the, the pirate gith has sort of uh joker makeup mm-hmm. in, in his look and that's kind of odd but um that's fine whatever Oh yeah, he does have lots of Joker vibes going on there. Interesting, yeah. But man, that one with the sword on the next page. Oh man, the I mean, even the one with the it like kind of with the Joker vibes. Like there's there's no mistaking that these things are formidable. Yeah. Weird other other yeah. otherworldly things, you know. Which is if you're gonna invoke that, uh, it, they did a good job. Yeah. Um. But I mean, also, whenever we talk about the art in this book, if Tony DiTolisi drew it, I bet I like it a lot. Just, <laughs> yeah. just throwing that out there. Yeah. Um, well, s- speaking of that, if you go back to the Mist Dragon, mm-hmm. uh, you'll see that someone there was very much inspired by Neverending Story. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. Uh, if that thing doesn't have the face of Falcor, I don't know what does. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's not oh, that's yeah. not a derogatory uh, comment either. I love Falcor, um, right? But uh, but it's clearly obvious. Like yeah, yeah. Uh, where well, that- and the, the the sort of mustache tendril thing mm-hmm. um, has a, a lot of uh, Chinese dragon. Yep. Yeah. Sort of in it. Well, even the pose is a very uh, right. you know elongated body. Yeah. Uh, with the, the the ridge on the back and all that is very Chinese dragon pose yeah. style. Which is fine. I don't. I'm. I don't have a love or hate for those. They're. They're fine for me. Um, but right. boy, that face, man, that is a very, you know. So that I. I do. So my the thing I wanted to call out about second edition for me was uh, up way up on page ten, the arm vorax. Oh yeah. Which is just, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I mean, look, uh, eight legged badger made a goal. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> Sign so, me up. <laughs> so that's another thing in Dust to Dust. Um, there was this this empire, right? And each tribe had a um, a monster as their like 
their tribe sign. Okay. Right. Yep. This is this is tribes of Rome sense of tribe. Right. 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 Um, and so, uh, one was an Oromvarax, uh, one was um, Sarlaka, the the steel bull. Nice. To, to Gorgon, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, a D D Gorgon specifically. Right. And, and that kind of thing. That was that was a lot of fun for us to very cool. Yeah. You know, include those very D and D nods in the in the setting. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, honorable mention to the brain mole on page mm-hmm. uh, 29, I think. Uh, because, uh, you know, uh, when you're, when you're talking to young Sam, you're talking to a person who's not, not quite yet knows they're a biologist, but definitely is interested in weird underground furry things with odd. I mean, look, this is a star nosed mole, but suddenly it's a D and D creature. Right. And now it has these weird like things where it, it eats psionics, you know, <laughs> like it's there is, very, you know, there is nothing wrong with looking at a star nosed mole and freaking the hell yes. out. <laughs> right. Absolutely. That thing is yeah. not okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> if you're I like, agree. that seems like a monster to eat my brain. You're probably right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should leave. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but yeah. But, so, yeah. So like, I also love rakshasas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yep. I, I, yep. I have been a fan of rakshasas for a long time. Um, they were a, a major, like, um, boss villain type in a setting. I ran a bunch in uh, in third ed. Okay. Um, I was sort of riffing off of. I was trying to sort of blend rakshasas with Shere Khan, and so they all had Shere something or other as their, their title of station. Okay. Um, and so there were rakshasas. That was the deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, nice. And the, the PCs in my dragon heist game uh, discovered that one of their friends is a rakshasa who is maybe discovering that uh, he doesn't get as much out of being evil as he wanted. And maybe actually helping is kind of neat. <laughs> <laughs> very surprised right. to discuss yeah. to discover that people would give him what he wanted if he helped them for just money and it was fine <laughs> but, nice. but it meant that he got to like learn everyone's little secrets and then he didn't want to do anything with it really he was just was curious about them <laughs> nice very cool. Um, very cool but here again there's a ton of great monsters um, a bunch of the golems really spoke to me um, the the glass golem um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I particularly liked because it's stained glass and that art looks great. Yeah. Um, yeah. The uh, the the flesh and clay uh, lesser golems are pretty awesome, actually. Um, flesh necrof- golem flesh golems become a staple later on, right? Like they are well, very popular. Right. I mean, uh, you, you can thank Shelley for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. They're, well, they're no, great. I, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I, I do think it's interesting that D and D went with the Hollywood movie Frankenstein's monster is not really able to communicate and is only arguably sapient mm-hmm. rather than Shelley's Frankenstein's monster, who is the other kind. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, your, your Necrophidius is here again. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I also recall really loving Karyatid columns. That they made me really happy as a kid. It just seemed like oh, that's a really cool word and name. Yeah, and I think that's actually from the fiend, fiend Folio as well. Probably. Yeah. You know what? I skipped also one of my favorites, Myconids. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I fell in love with them uh, because of because little mushroom voice. Yeah. Yeah, module A four in the Dungeons of the Slave Lords because you get captured, of course, right, and then uh-huh. you have to escape. But one of the chambers in there has these the myconids but they're not necessarily so the reason why i love them is because uh it's one of those things where you don't necessarily you're not meant to fight these right, right. this is a colony that is peaceful yeah they're not a and, problem you're fine. yeah yeah if you if you're if you don't come at them as an enemy then they don't necessarily come at you as an enemy right so yeah. uh and that was not always the case in my games back then, right? It was all, sure, it was almost sure, sure, always sure. that, you know, the enemy, you know, there was very little parlaying going on at that time. Um, and so that was kind of the first one where, hey, you know, maybe that's something we can try later on too, right? Yeah. And, and so that kind of, it was almost like one of those kind of pivotal, and I'm sure it wasn't the only thing, but it was just a memorable part of it where I remember it kind of was a, a marked shift in my, gaming life where it was like oh we're not just murder hobos all the time now yeah um so when i was you know a, a kid and collecting um what i could get my hands on mm-hmm. um i I, mean, I think i've said before that i regret not collecting planescape when it was current mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and so instead i had to rely on the incredible kindness of podcast co-hosts <laughs> to uh, get me a uh, Planescape box set. Mm-hmm. But what I did buy w- were the Monstrous Compendium annuals and okay. the setting-specific mm-hmm. yep. Monstrous Compendium mm-hmm. uh, supplements. Right. So I got a lot of great monsters out of those. Um, and for some reason, one of the ones that stuck in my imagination, I think because I used it in one fight in Birthright, of all things for me to use it in, was the <laughs> Armonite. Okay. Um, which is basically a centaur demon, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So what if you had a centaur, but make it tiefling? Okay, go. <laughs> right. <laughs> they're, they're horrible murdering mm-hmm, monsters. Sure, of course. And um, I just remembered, like, I don't remember why this happened, but I remember them like thundering through the halls of the castle that the PCs had, right? Mm-hmm, In Birthright. Mm-hmm. Right. And... Uh, I think it was probably three in the morning and I just, you know, I had no idea what I was doing, but it was right. a pretty cool fight because <laughs> they're pretty cool monsters. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yep. Um, so do you want to move on to uh third edition? Uh, yeah. Um, a lot of my third ed stuff is still up on shelves. Uh, mm-hmm. So you're going to be getting some of the deeper cuts from me for this one. Okay. Uh, like my monster's manual, my, my monster manual third ed is um, on a shelf because I don't need it very often. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I've got the fiend folio so I can go for the weird stuff. I don't have just a fair warning. I don't have a creature for third edition because I honestly just did not play it's enough of it. Practically dumping on my players' heads in my college game. So it had to have come out 
in 3.0 because um, 3.5 came out uh, as I was getting out of college. Right. Yeah. What creature? Uh, the Chaos Ooze, I think. So, something like that. Um, I mean, I remember when I was um, in college and you know, running games, a, a lot of these are sort of, that's a cool monster, but it's nowhere near the story I'm telling. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it would be really hard to bend the story enough to get to that monster. So I'm not really sure what to do with a lot of these. Right. That's a, that's a pretty standard problem for me with monster books. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got a really cool story there. It is not within a county mile of right. the the kind of story I've got going on. How how do? And I unfortunately am the kind of person who finds that creative constraint um, sort of pickles my creativity rather than sparking it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's an unfortunate thing about me, but I've never quite managed to fix it. So here we are. I'm just uh, go. I'm I'm looking through that fiend folio for third edition and a couple of the things it has in it that are uh, again uh stalwarts of D a crypt thing and dark ones yep um yep. which um, have been in actually, multiple editions i really like the nera in the fiend folio the mirror people right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're pretty cool and they show up again in um in fourth i believe yep they are in fourth yep yeah i mean there's some some good um planescape but not planescape monsters in here <laughs> um, because they weren't going to redo Planescape right. uh, for third ed, but uh, they still love some of the monster design, which is fair. Sure. It was great. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I think like the, I think the Romani come from the, some when the second ed Planescape supplements, mm-hmm. maybe also the keepers. I want to say those are pretty cool. Uh, yeah. The keepers look, they do look familiar. Uh, you start seeing a lot more, uh, Fall Realm based monsters, um, uh, such as the uh, KRT. Oh, oh, that's one of the. That's what I need to call out from this book as my favorite thing mm-hmm. um, from this book: the Inevitables. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is really, mm, we don't really want to do the kind of silliness of Modrons again. Mm-hmm. Uh, never mind how you can also tell the modern story to not be silly, but they weren't doing Planescape, but we still kind of like Mechanus. So, okay. What about Inevitable? And (laughs) they're they're awesome. I really like Inevitables. Right. Um, Just because like, yeah, you got a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Inevitables are after you. Like they're, they're going to get what they want. Eventually (laughs) they only have to succeed succeed once. Um, And so, um, I was listening to a, an actual play podcast, um, the Roll Together RPG, um, and they had a big, cool encounter with an inevitable um, in one of their uh, story arcs that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. That's fifth ed, but mm-hmm. you know, it shows up here. I think this is the first time it shows up. Oh, here's the uh, Cranium Rats. Mm, yeah. That's a Planescape thing. That, that's, a, that's a great Planescape monster. Yeah, I sort of... You know, I, I I sort of looked through. I flipped through some of the um, some of the third edition monster manuals because I have several of them on PDF. You know, yeah. Uh, but the the problem that I have is that I just didn't play a lot of third edition. Right. I just didn't. No, no. I, I understand. So you know, so for me, it's sort of like, well, 
you know, I could just go through and pick out cool creatures, but I don't really have any connection to them the way that I have connections to uh, the creatures that I've been mentioning from, you know, the previous editions and and what I'll mention about 4th right. and 5th. Because in those cases, I did have, you know, I d- played all those other editions extensively. I played 3rd just a little bit, but I never really ran it. I think I ran yeah. one one or two sessions or something like that. Um, but I it ran just, a ton you know, of third. Yeah. And so for me, it just um, didn't, it doesn't have the same, you know, meaning to me, you know, because the yeah. thing is like, yeah. I feel also kind of bad because we're going through these creatures so fast and we're not really, I mean, like I pers- per you know, purposefully kind of, we're not really going over the main details of each of these creatures. We're just saying what we think is cool and when they showed up and whatnot. But, you know, it's also true that for some of these, you know, they changed ever so slightly or even sometimes in a large way from edition to edition. And we're not really mentioning that, but it kind of caused me a problem because in going through the third edition stuff, like I'm just not familiar with any oh, sure. of the major changes that they might have made. So nothing really sticks out to me. That's super fair. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the one other thing I want to call out about monsters in, mm-hmm. in uh, the Fiend Folio specifically, like we could probably keep going on just this book for a long time. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. come up with something to say, let's be real. But um, <laughs> I hit up on ether gaunts and I'm also reminded of, um, some of the other um, ethereal creatures, like the idea of the ethereal as having its own uh, types of monsters that are a problem and are going to jump out and get you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's mostly gone away. And that's kind of surprising. Yeah. Um, hmm. They're a neat monster. They're, they're a neat sort of family of monster design in third because they get to look real weird. Uh, there's right. some of the better weird horror looks rather than sort of like gore horror or sort mm. of fiendish or undead horror right. looks. Well, like I'm looking at the Monster Manual 2 right now, and they have the Ethereal Slayer. Right. Which is uh, There's like, also the Ethereal Filcher in the Monster Manual. Yeah, and and like there's an Ethereal a Doppelganger and an Ether Scarab. Like there are some really interesting – it's funny that you mentioned that right as I'm going past this section. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they are very – like uh, like this Ethereal Slayer is weird looking. Yeah. You know? And the, the three different types of Ether Gaunts, uh, black, red, and white, are real weird looking. They – would fit in well in maybe like Dark Souls. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, they, they have more of a, you could be a Dark Souls monster kind of look than a lot of D&D monsters really do. Yeah. Uh, in case it's unclear, I mean, that is high praise. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But FromSoft knows it's creature design for real. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, we can... We can skate on here. Um, the the one other uh, thing that is coming to mind that uh, I have to mention is the, uh, the skin kite for just, oh, you're a horrible uh, animation of skin, even off <laughs> of living creatures. Right. You just peel, like you cause their skin to start peeling away from them. That's horrible <laughs> yeah that's and gross. so i really like that horrible <laughs> bad guys 
and my PCs have fought those in uh, my, my long running campaign in, in fifth. Nice. Um, well, so I'm I'm still flipping through this monster manual too, and I just found the hook yep. horror, yep. which uh-huh. has absolutely disgusting art in third edition. I mean, so the the hook horror in the second edition monsters manual was like a beetle with the thin uh, thin appendages on top with that ended in sharp hooks, and then with kind of a weird face, right? Um, this hook horror yep. in third edition is more close to the traditional original description of a hook horror. So for those of you that, that maybe don't know, a hook horror is supposed to basically have like the head of a vulture and the kind of upper body of maybe a humanoid, but then the forearms and hands are not forearms and hands. They're like these weird, long, elongated, chitinous hook things. So it has no hands, right? And then the, the bottom of the body is two legs but it's kind of ends in like talons from from a you know from from like a, a raptor type bird like a hawk or something um and so you know you can draw that kind of comical oh it's a vulture headed thing with no arms right because it doesn't have wings either so it's not like oh it's got wings and then there's these little claw points no no it's got a humanoid basic body but then a vulture head and no feet instead it has talons and it's no arms because its forearms are elongated chitinous thing like almost like half of a lobster claw right except it ends in a very sharp hook and so you can make that cartoonish or you can make it very kind of gross and scary looking and it's not that I don't like the 2e art because I think actually the 2e art fits with oh my god that's weird what is it but the 3E art is like, what the F is that? That thing is so disgusting and scary. I don't even want to look at it anymore. I don't even want to look at it to try to figure out what it is. You know, like it's, it's, it's a really horrible. I don't think I've ever seen this picture before. That's why I'm <laughs> reacting so strongly. I don't think I've seen this before. And I've seen really good hook horror art. And this is, I'm not saying that this isn't good. I'm saying this is disgusting. This thing is disgusting. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I'm not squeamish. I'm I'm not really going to get sick or something. No, but no. I mean, it's it's like that is really good art because it's very evocative of the idea in my brain of what one should be thinking when they see a hook horror, right? Nice. Yeah. So that's really that. I, I mean, that as a, like a praising kind of thing. Yeah. Right? Like that's, yeah. that's good. Um. Okay. So, are you? Do you have anything else about uh, third edition? Uh, I could probably uh, just dwell in this for a while for a long time we, yeah we find some some pretty great monsters honestly yeah. um there's a there's a lot of monster books guys yeah oh well and, it's let's see uh what f- so five monster manuals and then libris mortis uh-huh, Lord, uh-huh. lords of madness book of aberrations yeah uh fiendish codex one and two uh-huh fiend folio yeah. and elder evils right uh, and plus, then you're still plus the draconomicons right and it still leaves uh, out like File darkness books that just have a few monsters in uh, right, right, yeah, about sure. something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I just yeah. cracked open Manual mm-hmm. of the Planes. Well, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 oh, right. for sure, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and then you've got all of your Eberron monsters and all of your right. Forgotten Realms monsters, yeah, 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 yeah. and yeah. so on, right? And a lot of those yeah. are great too, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, uh, like uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the Carnathi uh, skeletons and zombies, they're great, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, even if they just behave a little bit more like you know whites or something that's fine right. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that third edition is such a weird thing for me because it is so vast. Yeah. And it has so much. And, and, you know, but because I didn't directly experience most of it, I don't even know. Like, like it's really true. I've probably never seen that hook or art before until yeah. I stumbled across it, you know, looking at this book right here. Right. And, well, and, and the there's, thing about I, there's probably is... one of the one or two of those in every all of these books, except for the Monster Manual one, which is the only one that I right. had in hardback. Right. Well, and, and the thing about this is just that they were producing books in multiple lines so fast. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. I've got all these Forgotten Realms, book, Realms books, all these Eberron books, and all of mm -hmm. these core books. And by no means am I anywhere near actually having exhausted the product lines of any of those right yeah so yeah. i mean that that's a thing yeah for sure all right well so let's move on then yeah um what do you got for fourth edition or do you have anything for fourth edition i guess um let's see so so i i, I do um I have to find them again i was thinking about them the other day um it's because i prepped guys that's how you know i'm <laughs> so well let me give you mine yeah go ahead. Uh, well at least one of them so i i went straight of course to the monster manual three uh before i went anywhere uh, when oh, i was yeah. re refreshing my memory about fourth edition creatures and of course right away on page 18 i come up to the Banderhob, mm -hmm. which is so well done in this edition right yeah uh the it has a, a triggered action of swallow Mm -hmm. So uh, a large or smaller enemy marked by the warder, marked by the by the Banderhob warder, uh, makes an attack that does not include the warder as a target. So so you're next to a Banderhob, you've been marked by it, you attack something else. In response, it attacks you with a plus 19 to hit versus your fortitude. And if it hits you, the target is removed from play. The target takes ongoing 10 damage. They can take actions as normal and can make melee and close attacks against the Banderhob. Um, it, it ends when the Banderhob dies. So basically it puts you in a pocket dimension. That is its tummy. Mm -hmm. And unless it dies, you're just gone. <laughs> you just wisp out of existence. Because that's what Banderhobs do. Because when you look at their lore, they come and take things away and they are never heard from or seen again. Nice. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's a really, the reason I picked it is because first the art makes it look like this real nasty big frog-like thing, which is horrible and disgusting. But the lore matches the the attack that this creature has so well. And I think that speaks really well to what 4th edition at least late fourth edition could do with a creature. Yeah. And so I just, it, it always really hit me as, wow, that is a really great example of how you make an effective creature that has something that it can do that really matches its lore. Because I got to tell you, not every creature does that in every edition. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, so the monsters that I remember liking from fourth, um, mm -hmm. When I when I did my uh, 4e mega thread, um, the secret of Vecna monsters mm, I really mm -hmm, loved. Mm -hmm, yep, because they're just punishments for violating Vecna secrecy. Right. <laughs> oh, you break your NDA. Mm, yeah, I like that. <laughs> Here you go. Bam. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and I thought that was really great. Also, um, I love Cataclysm Dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I liked about them so much, this is very specific to to fourth, right? Mm-hmm. Is that they're elites rather than solos. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're mm-hmm. supposed to maybe fight two of them at once. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's neat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that was a really fun thing. Right. Like uh, fourth edition solos are impressive in that they work, mm-hmm. but if every dragon is a solo, well, you know, that, right. Th- that's the thing. Like mm-hmm. I love a good dragon mm-hmm. fight, but cataclysm dragons as this kind of lesser maybe manifested rather than normally biological right you know whatever values of biological you like Mm -hmm. uh, dragon was a really cool idea to me and as i think i mentioned uh not too long ago uh dropping a couple of cataclysm dragons on my pc's heads when they got Mm-hmm. got discovered in this one situation uh, was a very memorable, fun fight for me. Right, right. For them, too, I hope. But that's hope pretty so. secondary. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> they, they were fine. Yeah. My other, one of my other uh, fourth edition mentions is actually speaks to something that we were talking about earlier, and it is the Howler. Mm-hmm. Um, the Howler is in Monster Manual 3. It's on page 110. And it is, I love the Howler art in in fourth edition uh because the howler is supposed to be like this weird demon horror thing yep and this howler is emaciated you can see its ribs but it's got spikes everywhere it's got these huge long you know striped spikes and this really horrible demon like visage on its face um, it's supposed to look emaciated. See, this is why I don't like the Displacer Beast art that makes them look emaciated. Because yep. Displacer Beasts should look like healthy cats with extra, sure. whereas yeah. Howlers should look like unhealthy, emaciated, hungering, dread hounds. Yeah. And and this actually illustrates that perfectly because it looks like an emaciated, horrible dread hound. Um Plus, they're really scary. So, yeah. yeah. Um, another, another thing I want to shout out. Um, there's a like angels in general in fourth edition are very cool mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because of how they've changed the cosmology around. Right. Um, fighting angels becomes much more of a reasonable thing to be doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Angels are not automatically going to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right, of course. But but also, <laughs> all these angels show up wearing battle masks. That's mm-hmm. a really consistent visual right. design feature yep. of angels, yep. and I love that. I think it's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, it's just yeah, it's it's really neat how they did that. Yeah. That just consistent note. Um, it it begins to tell a story to me, mm-hmm. whether you dig into what that story is or not it still is memorable, right? Right. That's, that's super fun. Yep. Um, I have a couple of honorable mentions uh, in, in fourth edition. Uh, the yep. first one is something that I know for some people was uh, weird and uh, controversial maybe. Um, and that's Dwergar. Okay. 
because in fourth edition, the Dwergar had these, they were, um, they're infernal, first of all, because of the way uh-huh. that the plane, the planar relationships got switched, right? Uh-huh. Um, and so they had this sort of, uh, some of them had this manifestation where they could have these infernal quills. So their beards had these right. weird quill things that they could actually uh, pull out and and throw at you or shoot at you from their beard from the beard itself, uh, and they had like this infernal poison and and whatnot. Which right. they're kind of yeah. blended with barbazu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bearded yeah. devils, right? Right, right. And so for me, like I thought that was an interesting way to make them different from just Dwergar and other editions, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and and sort of reflecting their infernal origins, or at least in, in this the backstory here, and giving them an actionable thing to do that people will notice, right? Like, it's one thing to be like, oh, well, they have some red in their beard. All of them do because, you know, they have this origin of fiery, you know, elemental chaos. Where, okay, yeah, except big, big whoop, you know? But if they, yeah, they have red in their beard. Oh, this one... You pissed it off. It takes out a quill and it stabs you in the hand. You know, like that's very different. It's very much, yeah. much more evocative kind of way to make that creature come alive, so to speak. And so I kind of enjoyed that. I know that some people thought that was the dumbest thing in the world and they didn't like the cosmological changes and all that. But aside from that, like just ignoring that thing, when you think about creature design and you're thinking about what you can do to a creature to make it more interesting, even if it's a quote standard creature from previous editions, you can change it a little bit so that it's not completely unrecognizable, but now it has this little extra thing it does, which I find just was worth a mention because it's an interesting way that they, they did some creatures in fourth edition because it was such a different edition. They had to make some changes. Um, I, I like the, uh, the shakeup in the metallic dragons. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I like the traditional metallic dragons of, sure. of D and D, but um, adamantium and uh, orichalcum. Oh yeah. I really, really like, yeah. They call them, I think orium dragons. Yeah. They yeah, mean yeah. orichalcum and I scowl at them for <laughs> being scared of using the right <laughs> word, but whatever. Yeah, that's in. The, is that them. in Dragonomicon too? Is that what that is? Yeah. I forget the Orium. Exactly what it is. Yeah, but I think um, it is. I remember seeing that when I was working on my thread and just yeah liking yep. that. But also, guys, it's D anD D. You need to trust the reader mm-hmm. to know words. Yep, that's how they learn the words. Yeah, that's like. Tell me some words you learned from D anD D, Sam. <laughs> oh God, how long do you have? Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah. I like that's that was true for all of us at the mm-hmm. time, and right. so yeah, I I'm much happier when the game leans into that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe not yeah. really hard into it. it. It doesn't need to be constant, but just don't be afraid of any words. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Mm-hmm. You're gonna be fine. <laughs> Google exists now. Yeah, that's right. As it did yes. in um, 1857 when right. Sam started playing. <laughs> whatever um so my other honorable mention in fourth edition uh was uh lamia mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh because in fourth edition in the first monster manual they introduced lamia and they completely changed the previous lore of lamia mm-hmm. uh lamia traditionally were these uh uh, uh basically they had the body of a lion and the upper body of a, of a woman basically. Um, but in fourth edition, uh, 
the Lamia are fae creatures and they are comprised of hundreds and hundreds of scarab beetles. Oh, right. Yeah. That, that is awesome. Yeah. And when the, when the beetles all form together, they literally look like a beautiful human woman, right. Or yeah. humanoid woman, you know, can have, you know, could be elf, could be human. Right. And it's such a bizarre, <laughs> it's like a fae shape changing magical hundred beetles. Like, yep. um, it's just weird. It's, just weird. Well, and it, it shares a facing page with a larva mage that's the same uh, deal. Right. Yes. Exactly. Not, it doesn't ever mm. turn pretty. Right, right. Well, it, and it's also, but it's not really a shape changer. It just is a bunch right. of larvae that take the shape of a humanoid, but yeah, it's, it's really an undead, disgusting creature, right? It's a hundred million worms in a trench coat. Right. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Whereas this is a hundred million beetles in a trench coat. I mean, it's, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. Totally no, it's different. Just, totally completely different absolutely i don't know different. why you think otherwise it's, i don't i don't know but it's it's really it's just a really bizarre like i i i can just imagine the pitch meeting hey let's make this change right? let's yeah. let's do this and people probably said no no and then they saw the art and said oh maybe and then somehow <laughs> it made it through like i don't right. know <laughs> yeah, i don't yeah. know it's it's bizarre um but again right like there's something that I like about it. And, and, and that is that in fourth edition, they took chances and they made a ton of mistakes. They did for sure. They made a ton of mistakes. I'm not, I'm not pretending otherwise. Okay. I'm really not. And I don't know if this one was a mistake. I, I am mentioning it because I think it's just one of those, bizarre like i can't even right. see the through line like i can see the through line with the duergar right which is why i mentioned sure. it first right like i can understand that change and there's enough of them that are the same that you could see your way into okay they did this one little thing that is still impactful but it's not really but this is like changing what this creature is but using right. the same name and it's 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 a bizarro take on some kind of weird fey magic I mean, it's yeah we got big x-files energy it does it does uh, that's the thing is i like the creature yeah i i just feel like wow odd yeah <laughs> like no, no. it's just it's it's really it's bizarre it's very um, cool but bizarre i mean the the powers that it has are interesting too yeah. you know um, um devouring swarm you know the the basically uh the the beetles come out and swarm you and start killing you, you yeah know? well I mean, I mean that that's just i feel like i'm watching the movie the mummy that uh everyone loves and that uh, uh -huh. launched a thousand sexualities right right, <laughs> right. Um, yeah and like that's part of what the bad guy does in that right. movie. Yeah, exactly. And it's great. Right. It's really, yeah. really yeah. cool. It's really cool. It's very effective. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I also, like, as a general trend of monsters, um, I do like monster roles and what that does tactically. Mm -hmm. um, it does have some downsides that are worth discussing in a longer form some other time. Sure. But mm -hmm. as a general statement, I like it. Um, I really like the Fae Fomorians, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep, yep, just because good. I'm really quite happy for there to be, you know, seely and unseely Fae giants. Mm -hmm. That's great to me, actually, because it sort of intersects with how 
wolves and ogres show up in Changeling the Dreaming, which was also very influential on my imagination. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. And so I like that kind of thing. But there's, I mean, there's just a ton of great monsters to to pull from and to keep adapting. I did want to mention, I was reminded flipping through this, oh, right, the Nightwalker, um, a mm-hmm. monster that I liked so much in third ed and fourth ed having never gotten to field one because they're so high level that my PCs were never ready to fight something like that, Mm -hmm. that I made it one of the main um, cosmic enemies and like boss level cosmic enemies in Orakesh, right? It, It is sort of the Grim Reaper and sort of the warlord of the land of the dead that's trying to first conquer the land of the dead and then mm-hmm. conquer the land of the living. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then everyone gets together and forms a huge army and kills, our, kills it again and loses half a civilization doing it. And it gets just kicked back to the land of the dead and has to start over again. It's this cycle nice. in, in my setting, but yeah. I just loved the towering dread of Nightwalkers and such enough that uh, I've always wanted to get to use one. Nice. Very cool. Uh, and they show up here and they're great again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. That uh, that Bring- might do it for me for fourth until yeah. I remember something else that I have you know forgotten. Which is going to happen, by the way. Just like- oh yeah, I mean, there's a ton. There's, I mean, there's a ton in every edition, other than third. For me, there's a ton in every edition that I yeah. could just keep. We could keep talking. We could do. We could have done a day on each edition. Accurate. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love the the Sorrow Sworn that get introduced here mm-hmm. because they're going to show up again in right. in fifth and be amazing again. Um, much lower in level for the most part, but still amazing. Hmm. Hmm. Yep. So that's all to the good. Yeah. So let's move on to fifth then. Yeah. So do you have anything in fifth that is your absolute favorite? Yes. I have the one that uh, feeds my ego, which I will tell you about now. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Let's hear it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So it's the one that I got to write that became official content. Oh, nice. So, so that's why I'm so proud of it. Excellent. Uh, I got to write, the first draft of right because like, Jeremy Crawford went and fixed this because mm-hmm. that that's how it works when you're freelancing, right? Um, the first draft of the first Archface stat block that was ever published for fifth edition. Nice, excellent. Um, of the Princess of the Shadow Glass, when she shows up in my adventure in Candlekeep Mysteries, is the first published official stat block for an archfey in fifth That's and totally i am awesome. super proud of her she is horrible <laughs> she awesome is such a horrible person and horrible to fight because mm-hmm. she's like teleporting all over the place and shattering shadow glass all over you and right yeah she just she should be terrible mm-hmm. um and i still have people tell me that their PCs decided to make her their warlock patron. I'm just thinking, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. She, well, you she, know. Is, she should be phenomenally abusive. 
if you follow what I wrote, she's phenomenally <laughs> abusive. You're supposed to hate her in the adventure. That's right. Like, yeah. Anyway, I yeah. digress. <laughs> um, like there, there's a lot of great ones in here um, that we, we've got a pretty good number of monster books to play with. Um, one of the ones that I keep coming back to is uh, the flux charger of all things from mm. um, Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. Okay. That's that's going to be a deep cut for a lot of people, but what I like about it is when you need a creature that is there to mess up your ritual, and you know it is a physical manifestation of the chaos and uncertainty of magic, and the power of the ritual pushing back on you so that your friends have to defend you. <laughs> Except no substitutes. Mm-hmm. Right, because that's a very real narrative situation mm-hmm. in in my games that this could come up. Sure, and so um, we had a great time with uh, the PCs fighting some flux chargers while trying to complete their ritual in um, in my birthright game. Nice, very cool. How about one from you, and then I'll I'm sure I'll have some more by the time you're done. I uh, I I really like. Uh, the star spawn oh yeah because star spawn are awesome yeah they're just so otherworldly and bizarre and have really cool powers and just they're just funky yeah you know they're, they're just they're just funky and because they are the you know proverbial heralds of doom as yep. it as it was put in the uh first morgan canaan's book like they're just they're just neat, you know, they're, they're just neat. And, and so I liked, I I've used them a couple times and they never fail to make, it's almost like a double take. Like the, uh, what is that? Like, you yeah, know, and yeah. it's, yeah, it's good. It's good. There's uh, so Fizzbond's treasury of dragons is an amazing monster book to me. Mm-hmm. Gotta be one of my favorites. There's so many great things in there. Um, so I like, I'll mention another one then while you're, while you're finding your passage um a skull lord is one that's been in the game for a long time it's yeah. the big three-headed skeleton you know yeah uh and they have a really nice version of that also in morden canaan's um uh, just for name this the eye of fear and flame i've always liked oh yeah 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 that's oh a, those have a, been around forever too I think. they have yeah i think that's, that's a, a folio monster yeah um oh yeah yeah so the dragon bone golem the dragon blood ooze. Mm, mm. Uh, I really like those. Uh, hollow dragons. I really like. I'm a, a big fan of hollow dragons. Mm, a, I think those were in fourth edition. Were they? I think okay. so. Let me check. Probably a slightly different form, of course, uh, uh, but I'm pretty sure they were in the metallic Draconomicon. Draconomicon two. Let me find out. Because I, I was looking at it when you were talking about the Oracalcum. And let me tell you, friends, I'm going to die mad about that dragon turtle that is um, in the <laughs> harbor of Port Nainzaru. I'm going to die mad about that guy. Why? What happened? We had to pay him so many times. Oh. <laughs> what a jerk. He was awesome. For one person at the table, that guy is awesome. For the rest, he is <laughs> absolute jerk. Yeah. And I wanted to kill him and skin yeah. him so bad. <laughs> Um, but yes, hollow dragons for E D. Nice. Right in the I, I'd forgotten about so, it. Then. Yeah, I I um, 
I would not know from memory. I just only yeah. because I was just recently looking at the Orion Dragon because you were talking about it. So, um, so wh- what are they like in fifth edition? Well, I mean, they're uh, they're undead, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're essentially more revenanty. Okay, uh, which is to say they aren't necessarily evil. They're they're here yeah. for a purpose, and then when they complete their purpose, they die. Mm-hmm. Um, there's they're hollow and filled with radiant energy that tends to look like fire, but it's supposed to be radiant. Right. So that's pretty cool. Um, which is kind of here to tell you my radiant stuff isn't working on this undead. Right. It is straight <laughs> immune to radiant damage. <laughs> right. Something's not great. And my turn is hosed. Yeah. <laughs> this um, is, this is really wrong. Um, can we reevaluate? Yeah. Uh, so I think that's really cool. I, I'm also uh, absolutely a, a fan of Moonstone Dragons, uh, which, uh, as I understand, were created for Fizzbun Treasure Dragons by a friend of the show, Eugenio. Uh, oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. So um, that is... I, I, I mean, that's very cool. I, I've gotten to use one of those in my campaign. It made me happy to use it. Uh, it made me happy to tell him about using it. Just it was great all the way around. Um, awesome. But yeah, um, I, I really like the just the energy in the, the creature design of Fizzbond's um, Treasury of Dragons. Um, there's also some really good stuff in Van Richten's as they play around a bit with um, basically furry style elites a little bit. Um, the Relentless Killers, I think, are the ones I'm thinking of. Right. So the Re- Relentless Slasher is the one that is um, a little bit of just an elite rather than a solo. Nice. Having only one legendary resistance. It still gets three legendary actions, but its, it's slice is not a huge amount of damage. That's one action. And then mm-hmm. it has its other option is all three of its actions. Right? Nice. So that's maybe a little more in line with uh, elites. If the things it's getting for its legendary actions are less dominating, but it's also only a CR eight. So like fielding two of these is not the most unreasonable thing at even sort of mid levels. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, So I think that's really cool. Um, Oh, right. And I like the loop guru in this book also. Uh, because it exists to uh, address a problem that I'm uh, salty about. Uh, <laughs> okay, tell us. So the the fifth edition monster manual lycanthropes mm-hmm. are very weak sauce. Yeah, sure. They're just not impressive, right? They they aren't scary, and they deserve to be scary. They're werewolves for God's sake. To let them be scary. Mm-hmm. Um, the loop guru, um, it's the other kind. It's real <laughs> bad for you. Right. Um, like it gets legendary actions. Uh, it has two legendary resistance resistances per day. Um, it has blood frenzy. It has all this stuff going on. Right. Nice. It is. It is much more what I expect out of a serious werewolf than what the monster manual gave us. Sure. Um, and also is uh, much more difficult to get rid of its uh, lycanthropic infection. So I like that. 
they think that the lycanthropic in, infections that we see in the Monster Manual are also a whole problem. <laughs> so I have opinions. What a shock. You should get on a podcast. Mm, interesting. I, I hear if you if you do that, you get to say your opinions. Um, so do you have anything else for a fifth you want to call out? I don't think so. I was trying to um I was trying to think of what kind of creatures that I I, I, I like weird creatures because I like creatures that are odd enough that the the party doesn't know what they are at first. So mm-hmm. like uh deep scions. Like, yeah. you know, they yeah, yeah. have those weird like flower opening faces, you know, those four flaps and they, uh, they're they just kind of very bizarre looking stuff like that. Really, I really like. Um, yeah. You know, so, but I don't, I can't think of anything particularly that I want to mention that strikes me as particularly good or, or interesting. I mean, I've, you know. There's a lot of good stuff. I'll put it right. that way. I'm, I'm not trying to say there's nothing good. Um, uh, I really like the uh, the inclusion at all of all of the different named um, archdevils and mm-hmm. demon lords. Mm-hmm. I will say that I think probably not many of them are as resilient as they need to be to pose the kind of climactic battle that they promise. Right. Uh, I think that's not exactly a an uncommon opinion. <laughs> um, <laughs> sure. And it's really just that so many magic items are so good at um, amplifying damage output. Mm-hmm. Um, while at the same time, it very, very quickly starts to feel bad if you're attacking with a normal weapon. Right. So the DM wants to get you a magic weapon, so you have at least your minimum level of feeling kind of cool and special. Right. But that also amplifies damage a lot over time. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a, a thing about fifth edition. It's not even um, really a bad thing. It's just that I'm, I'm going to hear mostly agree with um, your, uh, your co-hosts of uh, beyond the DM screen. I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. Tack on some hit points, guys. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Your PCs mm-hmm. will do enough damage. I promise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I when I run fifth edition, I basically always either give the creature max hit points now, yeah. or if it's a, if it's a large number of creatures, then I I roll because I for years I rolled HP. Right. Because that's just, that's, I mean, I rolled it during prep. It's not like I sat there sure. during the game necessarily, yeah, yeah. but like, uh, that's just, it's just part of the game for me. Like I, st- sure. I still do it with my Castles and Crusades game. I'm rolling, sure. st- you know, but there the uh, HP is much more impactful in a way because at, at a certain level in fifth edition, if, if the party is well-coordinated and has a couple of magic items, they are going to dominate if you don't have, high hp monsters right those those creatures will not survive a round to get off their their big fancy attack um and that's okay if you know that that's what's going to happen and it's okay with you Uh, but if you if you mean for that those creatures to present a challenge then you have to do something else whereas in castles and crusades um you know having a group of 10 gnolls is 
a challenge for a party of third level, you know? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so some of those gnolls having only five hit points and some of them having 17 is okay. Whereas in, in fifth edition, you know, that creature with five hit points against the fourth or fifth level party, forget it. Sure. Like it's just not, it's not even worth fielding, you know? Right. So that's I, I a totally different topic though. <laughs> uh, Sure. 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 <laughs> but I agree with what you're getting at here. Yeah. Anyway. Well, boy. You know this. This was a hard. This was a hard one for us to just for the audience's sake. Uh, this was a hard one for us to actually. We 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 hemmed and hawed on whether we were actually going to uh, include this as one of the days because it's such a broad subject, right? I mean, there are so many creatures. There's yes. just so so many to choose from, and we're not trying to say these are the best creatures. We didn't. We didn't. We purposely didn't name this the best. We said. What are ones that we like? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm also just interested in thinking about trends in monsters. Absolutely. Kind of oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, that's why but, I mentioned half of the fourth edition ones that I mentioned, right? Right. Um, but seeing all the, the creativity that people have brought to monster books over the years um, is a ton of fun. Um, I, I love you know, big, new, creative um monster content and i have a lot of understanding of how hard that is to say something new in monsters right right uh, uh, yeah it ain't easy folks yep um, nope it's not it's it's so easy i guess i want to say to turn into just some column inches mm -hmm. and breaking out of that into actually saying something new um real hard yep all right well i think that is going to wrap us up for this episode okay where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, uh, you can find me for now on Twitter at Brenda Stoddard. I'm continuing to consider my exit. Um, that's going <laughs> to be tough because I've been putting content on Twitter for a long time, mm -hmm. but here we are. Um, and then I'm on Mastodon um, at Brenda Stoddard at dice.camp. Uh, I also write for tribality.com. And my personal blog is uh, brendastoddard.com. Finally, if you'd like to support my writing, uh, my Patreon is Brenda Stoddard. And uh, for as little as a dollar a month, you can get early access to all my blog posts on th that, will, that will eventually go on Brenda Stoddard. So that's the deal. How about you, Sam? Uh, you can find me on rpgmusings.com. You can also find me. I'm also still on Twitter. I failed to mention it, I think, yesterday, but I'm on Twitter at DM Samuel. And then I'm also on Mastodon at DM Samuel at dice.camp. And uh, I am also on the Tome Show Discord, which I, if you want to join that thing, pop me a message and we'll, we'll get you on there. Have a good holiday, folks. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>